And coming off of National Women and Girls in Sports Day, many of you sent me messages, and I know there are a lot of other women who work in this business. I don't mean broadcasting. I mean the sports business as a whole, coaches and athletes, uh, broadcasters, of course, but others who provide support. I mean, we've had a lot of the medical teams and the training staffs be highlighted lately because of high-profile injuries or what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, It's so instrumental that we encourage other girls and young women to be involved in the sports industry. And I am proud to have a part in that. And I'm also proud of the relationships that I've been able to form with other women in this business. It has not always been that way. And still in sports radio, there aren't as many of us, but I found a good group of women in broadcasting who I can rely on, who I trust, who I can talk to and feel as though we're in this together. And that's not how it's always been. I did not have a female mentor when I was coming up through the ranks. There wasn't anyone who looked like me, sounded like me that I could reach out to. So it's really important to me that I do that for another generation of broadcasters that comes behind. I had a woman find me on Twitter this week and say, you're such an inspiration to so many women. I don't even know if that's true. It doesn't feel like it's true, but a lot of times when it comes to this passing along or teaching, training, encouraging, supporting the next generation, you don't always get to know your impact, and that's okay. I don't do it so that I can be validated, but it's pretty amazing to hear from people every now and then that say, hey, what you do really matters to me. What you do really encourages me what you do it's what I want to do and so I'm paying attention that's neat so for those of you who are women and girls young women involved in sports well I hope it was a happy day and a day where you felt like you were recognized at least a little bit I sent text messages to friends of mine who don't necessarily work in broadcasting but I have a friend who works for a tennis tournament and I Send her that message. Happy National Women and Girls in Sports Day. Uh, and others uh, who, who I could think of in my text chain. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Also on our Facebook page. It was certainly a nutso, hectic, chaotic day in football. When is it not? <laughs> with the retirement of Tom Brady and some of the other news that we got, specifically from the 49ers, but of course we got Sean Payton to Denver and other coaching hires too. Super Bowl on the horizon. Our friend Jade McCarthy of the 33rd team and Sirius XM NFL Radio, generous enough to spend a few minutes talking football because this is what we love to do, and it's perfect for National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Jade, this Tom Brady video, very emotional, struck me that this is much more final than what it was a year ago. But what's your reaction to it happening on Wednesday, February 1st? Yeah, I think the first thing that was striking is it's 365 days after the last time uh, we heard that Brady was retiring. So that was probably the first thought that occurred to me. But, you know, I do think, Amy, that I went back to the same place that I was last year. He was emotional. And I I thought that was a positive, right? Like, you want to know that, like, this is hitting someone with its finality. Um, But what I went back to is really just gratitude. I just feel like all of us, Um, who have had a chance to witness his 23 years 
of playing in the National Football League um, and being the champion and the leader and dedicated beyond everything. Um, and I just, I just feel like we all have to be grateful to have watched the greatest of all time um, because that's what he is. The older he got, the more he appreciated the opportunities, but also the more open and and human he became, if that makes sense. He was no longer a football god. Instead, he became someone who would be self-deprecating, who would not only admit to his own faults and would kind of joke about those, but was more willing to, like with his podcast and Jim Gray, more willing to give us a peek behind the curtain, if you will, about being a father, being a husband, and now obviously going through some really uh, personal challenges in his life. We got to see more of the real Tom Brady the last few years. Yeah, I think that's true. And and I don't know if that's just the nature of growing older and being more comfortable with who he is or who we are. I think that happens to a lot of people as they get a little bit older, right? Like, I feel like sometimes I hear people who are older than me um, who are like, man, I, I wish I had felt this way when I was 20 or 30. And, and maybe some people do, but um, just that sense of yeah, this is who I am, like, take it or leave it. It's not about what you think. It's just about me being true to myself, right? I think the other thing that is just so striking to me when you look at his career and and you think about it, 23 years of playing at that level of greatness, the duration of it, he missed early on in his career when he tore his ACL and missed most of the season in New England. And then he missed four games because of a suspension. And other than that, he never missed time. Right. And I've worked with so many, you know, players and former players who have said it, but availability is the best ability. Um, even just this season, what we saw with quarterbacks dealing with injuries along the way, Amy, um, and that's just something that he always managed to play through, to be ready and to put up the numbers that he did for 23 seasons and win the championships that he did and the MVPs that he did and the Super Bowl MVPs that he did. It is staggering when you think about it as a cumulative amount of of information, I guess. Yes, and his dedication because he yeah. was so committed to his fitness and his health. But also he recognized pretty early on that his best way to stay upright was not to get hit. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see another quarterback who can get rid of the ball as quickly as him so efficiently. Early on, there were some pretty dramatic Super Bowl moments, uh, one that's more unforgettable than others, whether it's Super Bowl wins or Super Bowl losses. I think the tuck rule game obviously comes to mind for so many of us just because of the conditions in which it was played and the way everything went down. I mean, it's like you just remember. It stays in your mind. You can close your eyes and you can picture it like it's happening before you again. And then, you know, the other one that comes to mind for me, I think, Amy, and and my son always sort of like rolls his eyes when I tell this story because he's become a big Eagles fan as he's gotten older. The year before you know, Brady played the Eagles. Um, he had that huge comeback, of course. My son was probably in kindergarten and it was like halftime and we were like, all right, we should probably get ready for bed. And he was like, he's going to do it. He can do it. If anybody can do it, Tom Brady can lead his team back. And he's like clad in his Tom Brady jersey and is wearing it to go to bed and, you know, the whole nine yards. And that's just one of those stories that I, I'm always going to remember running down and like, waking him up when the game was almost tied and being like, come in, come in, you have to see this. 
That's so funny. I love that. And actually, my perspective is different, though I would say that's the most memorable one for me, too, because I was there. It's the only Super Bowl I've ever attended in person. It's the only one that ever went into overtime. And to be in the stadium and to to know the wave of emotion when you could start to feel the buzz in the crowd recognizing oh my gosh, the Patriots are actually going to come back and win this game. It was a hallmark of my career, too. Jade McCarthy is with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Sirius XM NFL Radio, the 33rd team, which is one of my new favorite haunts on social media. Kyle Shanahan spoke Wednesday, and the questions to him were about his quarterbacks. Brock Purdy injured, Trey Lance also injured, but getting ready to uh, be cleared for more football activities in the next uh, six weeks-ish or so, maybe not quite that. Uh, And then the Jimmy Garoppolo question, if you're in the Niners' brain trust, what do you think is the best path forward? I think they have to get as much information about Purdy as they can, right? Like, what is it going to mean in terms of the surgery? What is the recovery going to look like? I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jessica Flynn, who – um, works with us at the 33rd team, and, and Jess and I have known each other for a long time, um, and Doc Flynn NFL, um, is, you can find her on socials. But, you know, she she said, you know, there's sort of two paths forward. Is it like a full-on Tommy John reconstruction, or can you go in and do a repair? So I think first they're going to have to figure that out, right, because there's a difference in terms of timeline as to when Purdy's going to be able to come back based upon what procedure he has to have. I think throughout the course of the season, we all kept going, uh, again, uh, uh, again, you know, and then we all did it again, watching the NFC Championship game, of course, which by the end was like watching a team try to compete with one hand tied behind its back because they, they flat out didn't have a quarterback. But I do know that you look at the offensive mastermind that Kyle Shanahan is, and you feel confident in terms of, whoever they decide is the best option forward is going to be in the best of hands in terms of their coach. It's different news, but it's still all-consuming, even in the offseason. The NFL is masterful at that. You bring (laughs) up the Broncos. They finally get their man. Whether or not people believe it was their first choice or second choice, Sean Payton is headed to the Mile High City, where he'll get the chance to work with Russell Wilson. What are you hearing from your contacts at the 33rd team about this fit in Denver? Denver was in a place where they really needed to solidify uh, the head coaching position. There had just been so much turnover. And obviously, Russell Wilson was guaranteed to be part of the equation, given the contract that the Broncos handed to him. So it had to be someone who was going to come in, who was going to look at Russell Wilson and was going to figure out how to help them succeed with the direction that they had already chosen. And look, that defense was significant in terms of what they accomplished this past season. So it's, it's a lot of fi- fixing things on the offensive side of the ball. And anybody that you talk to about Sean Payton talks about how he led such a turnaround uh, in New Orleans, of course, and his time with the Saints. And you look at his scoring numbers, and they were like bottom of the league the year before he got there. They jumped all the way up into like top 10 in the league his first year. You know, and then made market improvement into, you know, top one, two the year following in terms of their scoring offense. So they, he, he has already led that type of transition. And, and people just speak volumes about who he is as a coach, what he's going to bring to the table, and what he's going to bring to that Broncos organization. 
Jade McCarthy is with us here on CBS Sports Radio from the 33rd team. Definitely check it out. Lots of great football minds that are sharing their thoughts almost immediately when news breaks. And then Sirius XM NFL Radio. So, Jade, on Wednesday, I spent... Oh, gosh, 90 minutes of my life listening to the Kelsey Brothers podcast, both getting to the Super Bowl and the joy for their family, but also hearing them talk about some of the goofier moments like Travis with the postgame exultations and yelling at the mayor. And, and I had to Google jabroni. Uh, and so, so, the, so you get that side of it. I know I'm an idiot, but you get that side of it. But then I can't help but contrast that with the Bengals and what was happening on their sidelines after Joseph Asai draws that late hit at the worst possible moment. There was no opportunity for the Bengals to come back from that because there were, what, 12 seconds left on the clock? And he put all of that shame and all of that grief on himself only to see his teammates stand up for him. Uh, And then you had a chance to catch up with the defensive lineman, B.J. Hill, who not only was encouraging the 22-year-old, but was also willing to stand and run interference and make sure he was not alone. I had seen what happened after the game, um, and I was so struck by it. And one of the things that I have done throughout the season um, each week on the 33rd team is have a conversation about leadership Um, and I've done it with various coaches along the way Um, that display of BJ Hill was such an example of leadership to me in terms of how to be a good teammate and how to recognize that this is an opportunity to stand beside your your friend your teammate your brother whatever word you want to use and say this is not all on you Like, this did not come down to one single play in the game. This was all-encompassing. It was what we all put out there the whole time. And I'm going to make sure that that's not your lasting impression from this season. He was like, look, like, I just didn't want him to be there alone. And I've had those moments of feeling like I missed the play. I missed the opportunity. And I didn't want him to feel like, that was what he was going to walk away with. And I just knew that I had, I had to be the guy, that, that I was going to stand there and be there for him. I used that audio, the clip from your conversation with BJ on my show, and what stood out to me, Jade, is when he said, I missed on the sack. I should have been there and gotten the sack. If yeah. I get the sack, Joseph is not <laughs> chasing Patrick Mahomes out of bounds and, and trying to prevent him from getting any more yardage. And Joe himself said, I just lost track of where I was on the field. But BJ actually said, if I make the sack, he's not chasing Patrick Mahomes and we're not even having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Mike Cannonbaum, who I work with, you know, says it all the time, right? The, the best leaders absorb blame and deflect praise. In a way, that was B.J. Hill's way of saying, okay, I'm going to absorb some of this blame and I'm going to deflect praise because you know what? Asai had a great game. Like, yes, he made a mistake. You never want to see your teammate make that kind of mistake. And what you're going to do is stand beside him and help build him back up so that next time it doesn't happen.
Oh, that is the beauty of sports, really. Jade McCarthy is with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio. And that leads me right into what I think is the perfect opportunity since it is National Women and Girls in Sports Day. And I know sports have had a major impact in my life in a bazillion ways. And it's not just about our careers. What, and this is a loaded question, what have, <laughs> what have sports meant to you in your life? I'll say two things. Um, One, when I go back to my very earliest memories, one of the things that I love about my own experience with sports, the first sport I watched really closely was with my great aunt. And we watched a lot of baseball together. Um, And moreover, we listened to it a lot on the radio because that's how she grew up. Um, But I just, I love, the reason I tell that story on this day is because I love that in some ways my entree to sports was with a woman, right? And I just think that that's really powerful. Um, And and I think that that bears repeating all the time. Um, So, you know, so I share that. And, And then I think the other thing that really strikes me is what I love about sports is just that they are a way to unify in times of challenge and they're a springboard for all of us to learn and grow. Um, and, and the reason that I say that is because I feel like particularly now with the 33rd team, I just get to have these amazing conversations with, you know, different coaches um, and, and, and players. And I get to focus on, on that aspect of it. And I feel like I have learned so much from them. And in some ways, we, we just are so blessed to be in this position where we get to continually learn and grow, and we do it through the lens of sports. And it's really just a microcosm for life. Mm. I think uh, one of the things that they've taught me is that as much as it may feel like the world and the universe revolves around me, uh, teamwork and team sports <laughs> remind me the bigger perspective and that it's never just about me. I think it's a reminder to all of us that everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I had this conversation with former NFL head coach Mark Tressman, who is one of my teammates at the 33rd team, and it is all interconnected. So whatever you know, one player is doing is going to have an impact on what the other player is doing and so on and so forth. And then that connects the entire, you know, 60 minutes of a game. Um, but, but that's true in life. Like whatever you're, whatever you're doing is also having an impact on all the people around you. And I think when you, when you look at it that way and when you take a step back and you recognize that all of a sudden it is, eye-opening in the sense of you don't have to be motivated when you start thinking about, oh, there are dominoes that fall from all of this. And whatever I am doing now and the steps that I am taking are having huge impact on other people. And then who, who needs motivation when you can think that you can positively impact somebody else? Yes. And on a day like this, uh, there are a lot of young girls, young women who are paying attention even to what we're doing. And since I didn't have a female role model when I first got into this business or when I decided this is what I wanted to do, it matters to me that we can help 
the generation encourage the generation that comes behind us. And I say this all the time to my nieces, though they're not in broadcasting, uh, that I'm glad they don't have to deal with a lot of what we had to deal with. Uh, That matters to me, too. So even though sometimes it's not tangible evidence and we don't always get to see it, I believe that you are right. We can definitely encourage and support others, too. Awesome. I love it. I knew that you would inspire me. Okay, so (laughs) Jade McCarthy is everywhere these days. Uh, On the 33rd team, really good stuff with so many people who are connected to the football business. Sirius XM NFL Radio. Then she's got her own podcasts and her own projects. And so uh, you want to follow her on Twitter at Jade McCarthy. And by the way, I've already followed the doctor that you mentioned here uh, in our conversation. So it's good good to catch up with you. It makes me happy. makes me smile. One of these days we'll actually be in the same place at the same time. But until then, we can do this. Yes. Yes, it's going to happen. And uh, yeah, check out the podcast Transformed with Jade McCarthy. That's just like a space where I try to provide encouragement, Amy. Um, And that's just uh, something that's been on my heart. I love that I get to lean into leadership with the 33rd team and cover a sport that I absolutely love um, in the NFL. And I get to talk about it on the radio. And I also get to provide encouragement with my podcast Transformed. So all in all, that, that feels like a lot of really rewarding spaces to be in. And I'm really grateful. Yeah, that's something that I've said a lot over the last couple of weeks, that this opportunity, this platform, this show, it's what I wanted to do since I was a teenager. Uh, Jade, too, we've connected over that, connected over that, that uh, we're so grateful for the chance to do what we love, even though it looks differently, maybe than what we anticipated or what we thought years ago, Uh, but still here, still kicking And uh, she is definitely inspirational. So make sure you find her on Twitter and check out her podcast. I was a guest on her Transformed podcast, and she dropped loaded questions on me. So she gets the favor now returned to her. Uh, On our Twitter, After Hours CBS, or our Facebook page, we're asking you to share your favorite or least favorite Tom Brady postseason memories. Uh, Jay's got a few. I've got a few. In fact, I just shared one of them with Jade So I'd love to hear from you, and we'll do that uh, just to finish up what will be a shorter segment at the bottom of the hour. And then the Kelsey brothers, because, yes, I did, in fact, fall down the New Heights rabbit hole with Travis and Jason Kelsey. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Led by the greatest quarterback. Look at Brady. In Super Bowl and NFL annals. One more ring. James White. And a silver trophy is coming back to New England. It's hard to win a game in the NFL. And to beat this team and to get down 28-3. And, uh, you know, it was just a lot of mental toughness by our team. And, you know, we're all going to remember this for the rest of our life. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Wow, Tom Brady sounds so young there. That was in 2006. 
2017, right? 2017, so the 16th season, but the 17th Super Bowl, uh, I believe, in Houston. I'll, that part I'll never forget. Lady Gaga was a halftime show because I was there at NRG Stadium. I had been there on Radio Row all week, and since mom lives in Houston, I went to mom's for the weekend uh, and then decided, hey, First opportunity to attend the actual game. It's easy because I don't have to pay to to stay for the weekend and was able to get to NRG. The whole experience itself was eye-opening. The number of security checkpoints I had to go through, uh, just watching everything that happens inside the stadium. It's very different from what you see on TV. I loved it. I loved the noise. I loved the electricity. And as I said to Jade in our conversation, That buzz inside NRG as the Patriots were coming back against the Falcons, you could tell when the the fans, when the stadium understood and comprehended that the Pats were, in fact, going to pull off the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. So that's one of my most poignant memories, only because I was there. It's the only Super Bowl I've ever attended, and I still can't believe that's the one that I went to. Thank you, Houston. But I would say one more. Uh, a Super Bowl memory that I have, and it's it's a more of a fan thing. Not because I was a fan of the Patriots or a fan of the Giants, but their first Super Bowl, sorry, Jay, I know you'll have your own perspective on this. Their first Super Bowl in 07 was obviously the end of the Patriots' perfect run, and the Giants were a wild card, and so it was, a, it was an incredible upset. I was watching in Connecticut, because that's where I lived at the time. I had a group of friends Uh, that I was watching the game with. We were having a Super Bowl party, one of the last that I was actually ever able to attend. Uh, We were relatively young, right? We're having a grand old time. If I remember correctly, there were only one or two Patriots fans there. Everybody else was rooting against the Pats, so kind of rooting for the Giants, but against the Patriots. And when David Tyree made the helmet catch, there were probably a dozen of us. We went ballistic, jumping on couches, running around the room, like over furniture, screaming, yelling. And I remember thinking, this is happening in homes all over the the freaking country right now. In the United States, people are doing the, maybe not jumping on couches, people are doing the exact same thing that we're doing right now, freaking out. So yeah, that was kind of fun to watch as a fan. Of course, I love my job. I wouldn't trade any of the Super Bowl postgame shows that we do here on CBS Sports Radio or before that, my previous network. But to experience that as a fan where you could, in fact, go berserk. I don't believe what I just saw. And running around, we were high-fiving. We had nothing to do with it. I didn't even have any rooting interest. It was just a moment that captivated the American viewing public. Just freaking amazing. Jay, what about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... The first Super Bowl that I saw, my, my first championship I saw one of my favorite teams win was that Giants win in 2007 over the perfect New England Patriots. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, all, I think about a moment for me in that game, which was awesome, was Michael Strahan. I remember he had a big sack. I think the Giants had like five sacks or something like that in that game. And uh, Michael Strahan had one. And he was like, you know, it was his last season. He was always my guy growing up, like one of my favorite players, my one guy. of my heroes. And just to see him get that sack, I don't know. I thought that was just such uh, a cool moment like yes. at the time. Yeah. But okay, but that's Giants, not Tom Brady. So, what yeah. is your favorite or least favorite Tom Brady Super Bowl slash postseason memory? So, I guess the least favorite one. This is also just a fan one and a personal one. Would be in 2017 when he 
did not defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. He had a great game. Also, oh, seventeen season. The season, okay, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. So one of my one of my best friends is a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I just you know I'm a big Giants fan, so mm-hmm. that normally some clashes there. And I had always had that. Oh, we beat Tom Brady twice. We had I had that over him, and then now he had that over me too. Not so. anymore. Not anymore. So <laughs> personally, yeah, that one uh, one of my worst favorite, my worst Tom Brady memories. <laughs> oh come on though, because the Eagles beat. I mean, you still have the, if you're an NFC beast person, you still have the bragging rights of the Giants having two, well, and not just those two, but others. The Giants have other Super Bowls in their memory. Yeah, I had it, but it was always like nice to always say, oh, how many rings do you have? How many? And now it's just not, it's not the same. Don't you love how we do that as fans? How many rings do you have? Yeah, right, because I had something to do with mine. (laughs) I don't have to do with yours. (laughs) So if you would like to share with us your favorite Tom Brady postseason memory, whether Super Bowl or not, or maybe it's a least favorite, obviously, hearing from some Falcons fans. Uh, one guy even said, I'm a Falcons fan, so yeah, dot, dot, dot. Didn't even need to finish. Uh, that one happened in February of 2017, so the 16 season, and then the Eagles beat the Pats in the 17 season. Then the Patriots were back again. So that's another run in which they went to three consecutive Super Bowls. That's insane. Like, insane. Uh, the Buffalo Bills did it obviously but they never won one of them in this case the Patriots won two lost the the middle one there to the Eagles but we're back in what was a Super Bowl that was dominated by Rams and Pat's defense with a single touchdown that was a barn burner wasn't it three to three for the longest time I remember it was it was a late touchdown I think I'd have to I'd go back and look but yeah that one took place then in 2019, but the 18 season. Uh, and obviously his most recent win was with the Buccaneers after the 20 season, the COVID season, uh, in which they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And it wasn't close. Uh, this one I actually remember just because it was more recently. The Chiefs O-line was torn to shreds. <laughs> the Bucks defense ripped up the Chiefs' offensive line to the point where they completely rebuilt it in the offseason. They started over. Every single guy on that O-line, gone. What you got in there? You're nodding, nodding away. Oh, yeah, just uh, just to confirm it, you're right. Yeah, that, that Rams-Patriots uh, Super Bowl was 3-3 heading into the fourth quarter <laughs> when the final score was 13-3. Awful. Like, as in awful. The Not NFL great. officials were, they were just, they were, throwing up they couldn't they couldn't deal with that because they love offense all right so favorite least favorite uh love to hear from you on twitter a law radio also on our facebook page hope you enjoyed the conversation with jade mccarthy as always our interviews are podcasted separately uh, and our podcast link is shared every single morning weekday morning on both of our social media sites but many of you have it bookmarked i know because you find it there you are listening to the after hours podcast I got a Kansas City sweatshirt I'm going to wear for the next three hours, and then that's it for the rest of the year. Win or lose, I'm done being a Chiefs fan in three hours. They're going to throw it across the formation, and it is caught over there now, slipping, and the Chiefs will tackle him! This game is over! This game is over! You can doubt the Chiefs! You can dislike the Chiefs! You can disrespect the Chiefs! You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs as the AFC champions! Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight!
For your right to party! <laughs> this is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Mitch Holtis on Chiefs Radio. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this before when we were talking Tom Brady memories. Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak from that Patriots come from behind win against the Falcons in the Super Bowl uh, against, well, in Houston, sorry. Anyway, I forgot to mention their names. I got caught up in my memories. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. We're taking yours, too. And they don't have to be Super Bowl memories. They can be postseason memories. Uh, Some of you refuse to play by the rules. But, you know, only those who color in between the lines get recognized. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You guys cracked me up with how you interpret the question or just ignore the question altogether. You treat it like it's your own personal Facebook page or Twitter, which I suppose uh, there's some familiarity there. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey do a podcast together. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the New Heights Podcast. I had only ever listened to it in chunks until Wednesday. I spent, oh, almost two hours of my life that I don't want back listening to their podcast in its entirety. Other than them mentioning it's being called the Kelsey Bowl as we head to the Super Bowl in Glendale, other than Travis starting out by saying, I thought we were in a matrix. I thought it was Pat Mahomes' matrix. But they really didn't talk about football for the first 30 minutes. Those two, they're goofballs. They went off on Jabroni and pro wrestling and Roger Goodell and Andrew Whitworth. And they were just, what's that called? Whiffing. No, riffing, not whiffing. <laughs> riffing. When when a DJ is just kind of going off and forget the music, he's just styling and profiling. So, yeah, they were just riffing. Stream of consciousness. And it is pretty funny. Uh, it, it's not edited at all. So you get all of the words, all of the words. Finally, they got down to football, and I was sending Jay time codes furiously because I thought, okay, some of this stuff we need to use on the air. And so, see, these are some of my favorites, and I appreciate Jay for going and finding them and cutting them up. (laughs) You know that the Chiefs kept all their trash talking to themselves until the game was over, but Jason Kelsey could not resist poking his younger brother, Travis, about the whole Burrowhead thing. Uh, and so that was really funny because Travis is still not over it. He's still not done with it. As if we already didn't have enough ammo. We, uh, I think we, we've we lost every game to him up to that point by three and then uh, finally got a win by three. It was uh, it was kind of like it was all the stars were aligned and it was all set up to for us to be able to go and defend our, you know, our home stadium. I, I honestly, the entire no, no. You had to defend Jason, Burrowhead. Yeah, that's what they called it until they until they lost and everybody got on so their ass about it. Is it back to it, being so. Arrowhead now? Is it back to being Arrowhead? It was Arrowhead the entire freaking time. G E H A Field Burrowhead. at Burrowhead. Arrowhead. The guys won one game, and I got all the respect in the world for Joey Burrow, another Ohio football guy. Doesn't right sound now. like it. <laughs> what? What do you mean? They're over here trying to call Arrowhead our our legendary stadium. The loudest stadium in the world. They're trying to call it Burrowhead after he gets one win in there. Is it the no. loudest stadium in the world or just the loudest stadium in the NFL? In the world, Craig. In the world. In the world. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> brothers. Seriously, only brothers can get away with that. Did you hear Jason? He said, is it back to being Arrowhead now? And Travis is going on, wait, what? What? He still gets prickly over it. What do you uh, mean? <laughs> they're over here trying to call Arrowhead our, our legendary stadium. The loudest stadium in the world. They're trying to call it Burrowhead. After- 
Only only brothers can say, wait, it really is at the loudest stadium in the world or just in the NFL. <laughs> so they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Uh, one more with Travis. And this one is awesome. You guys may remember that earlier in the game, I think it was uh, first, second quarter, maybe second quarter, the the um, Chiefs are driving and Travis makes a catch and then for some inexplicable reason attempts a lateral. It does not work. Uh, his his receiver, well, his intended target, he should not be passing. His intended target doesn't know it's coming. It kind of goes softly by him and out of bounds for the Chiefs, uh, and they are able to retain the ball. Then a little bit later, I swear, he looked as though he was going to lateral again. So once again, uh, Jason gave a major crap for that. Well, you got to keep the defense honest, man. <laughs> Who told you that? What? What does Andy say when you – after when you get to the sideline, I can't, after you I, can't, I can't I can't disclose that information. I have to know what Andy's <laughs> saying. There's no way he's okay with it. Can't can't tell it. Can't tell you, man. Competitive just know advantage. That, uh, just know that when I had that talk with him, I didn't do it again. <laughs> you tried to though. You tried to do it again. That's no, what no, I'm no, saying. no. He had to talk after the second time. We had to talk. When he saw that you were about to do it again, he was like, "All right, Travis. You and I both know what you were just about to do." I wasn't about to do anything, Coach. I swear to God. The Travis. thing is, the thing is, the second time I should have done it. The first time I should have just threw it higher. The second time I really should have done it because this, he would have scored. Noah would have scored. <laughs> I really do enjoy the Manning brothers. I definitely appreciate the the Let's Go podcast. Uh, because you get a little more, well, we're about to get a little more of Tom Brady away from the football field. This one is flat out hysterical. These two are, they are jabronis. Like, I don't even know what that means. And they're total jabronis. And the number of times that Travis dropped that word in this podcast, Jason was over it. Yeah. So Jason, of course, wants to rib him about his post-game exultations on the stage and then on CBS. And, of course, Mayor. Mayor Jabroni. Can we get over this? Let's not keep harping on the mayor. We're talking about it. Let's talk about it. Why did that one get you so fired up? You get a paternity test to see if Burrow is really Mahomes' father. You shut the f*** up. That was a little far. Freaking weenie. He's a mayor. He's just trying to get his city fired up. You're right. He's a mayor. That's why he should know your role and shut your mouth. Do you even know what a mayor's role is? No. <laughs> you name me three responsibilities of a mayor. <laughs> To get votes. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't even mad. He was like, well, yep, he got me. Like, you know, <laughs> Did he really? He was like, that's fair. Best of luck to you. <laughs> it's pretty fair. Well, now nah, I respect him. He took it well. He can have fun. All right. You're not a weenie anymore. I take it all back. Oh, goodness. It was that. Like, literally that. The two of them just goofing off, stream of consciousness, and, and no... No respect for the clock at all. I need to know if there's anybody else out there that listened to the entire two hours. Two hours. It might as well be a radio show. I, actually, I shouldn't ask that, right? Because our show is four hours every night slash morning. So uh, that's the AFC Travis in the spotlight. They do this thing where they go back and forth. First, it's Travis asking Jason about five moments in his football game that weekend. And then it's Jason asking Travis about five moments that stood out to him. Uh, there are also some other revelations, too. Apparently, the entire family went to Philadelphia. So the Kelsey parents were in Philadelphia. They were not in Kansas City. And 
<laughs> Jason was talking about the family, so he's got a wife and kids being on the field, and now his, his dad got denied. He wasn't allowed on the field because he didn't have the right pass. And then Travis says, oh, man, I should have given some tickets to friends. I had nobody on the field with me. <laughs> they really are funny. I feel as though they could be bigger than the Mannings, Jay. This is only their twenty. Whoa. This is only their twenty fifth podcast together. They're gonna Mayor give Jabroni. the they're gonna give the Man, the Mannings a run for their money. It's after hours. CBS Sports Radio.